This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But the one thing he says, and I, I, there's a clip I want to play here, and I pulled it for a reason. It wasn't really Mets related, but it was just another team he focuses on. And this is why I think Tommy Pham is so valuable. Because you look, again, it's it's not about what he could do on the field. It's what he brings off the field too, what he can bring to a younger team. And he's talking about the St. Louis Cardinals here. And I think it's really interesting uh, to take a listen and why maybe we do want to bring him back more as a Met. All right, let's hear it. When I reflected on that, the last time that I saw that was St. Louis. That's why St. Louis had such a, a winning culture because they had Yachty and Wayne. They were those guys that were helping the other guys get better. Because if winning mattered to them the most, they looked at it like, all right, if I could get this guy better and that guy better, we're going to win more games. Yachty, Yachty, this is back before I was given a card in the outfield and told where to play. You know, that's how it is. I, I get I get a card, they tell me where to play. Yachty took me into the video room. You know, in the minor leagues, we read swings. Yachty took me into the video room, and he goes, Tommy, I'm going to show you how to how to position yourself in the office. I was playing center in the Cardinals. He showed me where to position guys, you know, along with reading swings to make me better, to make the team better. It's not, I mean, is it like that today? Not necessarily, but, I mean, there's guys here that, that, are, that help guys get better. And honestly, I wish I could still do my own homework for position guys because I'd rather have that fall on me than, than the card. That's how it was over there. That's the culture. Winning, winning is a culture that I'm starting. That's what I'm starting to realize. So this is what I'm starting to realize. This team, besides more talent, besides more pitching, they probably do need that leader that Keith Hernandez now Keith was also a great player but he was the leader that that young Met team needed uh back in the 90s I think the leader of that team was Robin Ventura I think that that free agent signing going into 1999 helped take a team that had choked away a playoff spot in 98 and now there was a leader I don't think Mike Piazza was a leader and that doesn't make him less of a great player but when I think of that 99-2000 team, I don't think of Piazza as the leader. I think more of Robin Ventura as the leader. So you do, it doesn't necessarily have to be your best player. Because right now, as much as I love Pete Alonso, as much as I want the Mets to re-sign Pete Alonso, he's not the leader of that team. I don't think there's any question. 
That's not a fatal flaw. That doesn't mean they shouldn't resign him. But when you're building a team, you probably need to think, okay, along with talent, there needs to be someone in that room. He mentioned Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. I heard stories about Adam Wainwright that he would basically take the pitching staff together and say, we're taking extra batting practice. We got to take this seriously. We get two, three at-bats a game. Uh, We help ourselves out. We cannot take it for granted. And Adam Wainwright was a professional major league hitter, at least for the standard of being a pitcher. But I remember hearing those stories that, you know, we got to take it seriously. Yeah, our job is to pitch, but we got to take the job of two, three at-bats a night seriously as well. So there's a value to that. And maybe the Mets don't have that. You know, as talented as Lindor is, as talented as Pete is, as talented as Nimmo is, maybe they don't have that. I don't think that means you got to break it apart. I don't think that means you got to trade guys away because when you have talent, talent matters. You know, it's tough to replace guys as talented as those three core players of Brandon Nimmo, Francisco Lindor, and Pete Alonso. In fact, play the game in your head. How would you replace any of those three guys? It's very tough. We went over it last year when talking about Nimmo's free agency, and it seemed real that they could lose him. We talked about how do you replace Brandon Nimmo, and it was impossible. It's tough. Yeah, there's some other elite-level shortstops in Major League Baseball right now. They're all signed. It's not like you just walk into a store and pick up someone to replace Francisco Lindor. And the same thing with Pete. How many guys are as reliably sluggerific as Pete Alonso? That's a term I think I just made up, but it makes sense. I'm, I'm sluggerific. I, I'm going to make a t-shirt out of that. You like that Slug- one? Sluggerific. So I, I think that my biggest lesson from Tommy Pham <laughs> is I think this roster of position players is going to need a good, strong veteran leader. You may suggest it's just bringing Tommy Pham back. I don't know. I think it may need to be a guy of a higher, a higher stature. Well, can I ask you a question here? Because this is now making me think outside the box, too, of like the other 29 teams in the league. Now, obviously, you look across town, Aaron Judge, leader of the Yankees. But you look at the Angels, for example, right? Because mm-hmm. we're talking about Shoei Otani. Like, who was the leader on that team? Was it Mike Trout? Was it Shoei Otani? Were they really the leaders on that team? Were they the leaders that the Angels needed? Because I, we've <laughs> never seen the Angels do anything spectacular at all. Those are two best players on the team, but not they don't have to be the leaders, though. So who is? Yeah, look, I I think that sometimes leaders of teams are not necessarily their best players. Like Yachty, Yachty's a Hall of Famer, but he was never the Cardinals' best player. I mean, he was just, and maybe it's different because he's a catcher, but I, I think that leadership comes in a variety of ways. And I do think that that's one of the things David Stearns is going to have to look at during this offseason. And that's where a manager matters. That's where a manager is important. Now, speaking of a manager, in this interview that Tommy did, it's really one interview. He met the media before the World Series and was asked a lot of questions and gave a lot of answers. One of the things he was also asked about was the lineup and Buck Showalter because early on in his tenure last year, Tommy Pham was not playing a lot, and it bothered him. He mentioned it. Like, I was told I was going to play a lot more. Tommy Pham said that on a couple of occasions, Buck Showalter would pull him aside to explain why he wasn't starting, despite having a good history against that night's pitcher. 
Buck showed him a sheet of paper that displayed what fan projected performance would be. Let me read that one more time. This is from Newsday. Buck showed him a sheet of paper that displayed what FAM's projected performance would be, the handiwork of the analytics department, rather than his past success, and that's what went into the lineup decision. <laughs> that, that doesn't even make any sense to me. So let me get this straight. Tommy FAM would have great numbers against the starting pitcher. He would not be in the lineup because the analytics department presented Buck a sheet of paper that displayed what they projected Tommy Pham's performance to be? May I ask a dumb question? If Tommy had success against that pitcher, what are they using to project that he would not succeed that given night? Is it the Beningo and Roberts logic of, well, he's due? <laughs> I mean, like, what, what would even lead to that kind of insight? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, I mean, I I could take an educated guess, but I don't want to because that's embarrassing. I'm hoping – I mean, I've heard like rumblings of some people getting fired recently. I never asked for anybody's job to be gone. But whoever came up with those numbers, they need to be gone. I'm sorry. That's just dumb. That is just dumb. Well, I, and that's, that's an ass-backward thing. This is the ass-backwards culture of the Mets. Well, it's – but it also is a, another example that I am – I'm probably going to have to take a big L on that Buck was not making out these lineups. That, And maybe that's phrased incorrectly. He was making out the lineups, but he was taking the information presented to him. And instead of saying, hey, thanks for the info that you're projecting Tommy Pham isn't going to play well, he used it. Because here in this example, he's explaining to Tommy Pham, here's why I'm not playing you. Because these analytics tell me you're not going to perform tonight. So it's kind of a semantical thing, Pete. He made the lineup, but why did he make the lineup? Did he make the lineup because of information that was presented to him by the analytics department that maybe he doesn't even like, but he made that lineup anyway? I don't know. Well, you know that Buck said that and like was like, you know, this is full, this is bullshit. I have no idea why I just said that to you, but they told me to say it. So <laughs> that, that, that's, that's it. But, and the reality is, and I, this is, I'm going to support Buck in this case. We all knew he needed to go. It wasn't a right fit anymore. But Buck Showalter loved his job. I think wanted to keep his job. And when you have bosses telling you, you basically have to do this, what we're telling you, uh, you, you bow down. You, you, you're taking all the, all the power taken away from you. Yeah, and I, I think that's going to remain the same. You know, even if Craig Council's the manager, I mean, David Stearns and Craig Council's relationship in Milwaukee was probably pretty similar. And it's not, I don't even think it's bowing down. I think it's that the front office just has a lot more say in those decisions. It doesn't mean Craig Council or Buck Showalter couldn't make their own lineup necessarily, but when they're being given this information and being pushed a certain way, maybe sometimes they just accept that. But we had already heard the story from earlier this offseason that Daniel Vogelback was pushed on Buck Showalter. And now we get this Tommy Pham line of 
projected performance said not to play him. And by the way, here's how screwed up the projected performance was. Tommy Pham ended up being their most consistent offensive player before he was traded at the trade deadline. So what the hell did the projected performance know? Here's also what Pham said about Buck. Uh, That's what it was like. This is what Buck was telling me. And that's why I respect Buck. Buck's a great guy. He was being honest with me. He was like, they want me to make this lineup like this. I said, that's crazy, but that's the way the game is today. So (laughs) Buck is being told to do this lineup. Uh, They're twisting his arm to do this lineup. They're insisting, however you want to freaking phrase it. Yeah, I guess all of our fears, not mine, because I didn't think it was the case. I guess they were true. He was being told or heavily suggested, put this guy in the lineup. Don't put that guy in the lineup. And it's not being, it's not going to change. I mean, that's just the way baseball is now. It's just going to be a different front office telling a different manager or suggesting to a different manager, this is who should play, this who should not play. And honestly, for all of us, we're going to like it if they win, and we're going to like it if it's the players we want to see play. We get frustrated when it's guys who our eyes are telling us should not be playing. Daniel Vogelback was a mess. Our eyes were telling us this guy can't play. If the analytics department is going to give us projected stats that would have said play Francisco Alvarez all the time at catcher, Pete and I would have been happy. We'd have been like, great, trust those analytics. Can I see the uh, – I really do want to see the analytics that said, like, Daniel Vogelback is a must start versus this pitcher. <laughs> I know. <laughs> which, one, which game was that? No, I know. It does not make any sense. We got a lot of pods coming up over the next few weeks as we creep into the offseason, including coming up in a few days, and I want everybody to think about this one because it's a complicated question. You could email your opinions, the Rico B at gmail.com. You could tweet at me, Evan Roberts, WFAN, or you could just wait – to hear Pete and I break this thing down in a couple of days. And that is this. Would you rather sign Shohei Otani as a free agent this upcoming offseason, or would you rather wait a year and sign Juan Soto when he gets to free agency? It's a complicated question. I think trading for Juan Soto, obviously an option, does not fit this team very well. I don't know how in favor I would be in that. You'd have to give up a lot of top-end prospects for one year of Juan Soto when you could simply sign him as a free agent a year from now. And I do believe with Juan being a Scott Boris guy and Juan being someone who turned down, what was it, $400 million a few years ago from the Washington Nationals, Juan Soto is a mortal lock to get the free agency. I also think Juan Soto is a mortal lock to go to the highest bidder. I think it's pretty simple with him. Now, I have read he prefers the East Coast, which is great to hear. Well, good, because that's where the highest bid's coming. So it makes sense. So I frame this question in the most simplest terms. It's not about trading for Juan Soto. Don't get caught in those weeds. We can do a different podcast about that because I don't think it's a realistic option, believe it or not, nor do I think is it a smart option. So it is simply... Juan Soto and Shohei Otani, this year Shohei, next year Soto, are on the verge of assigning historic contracts. In fact, if I had to guess right now, I think they're both getting close to $500 million over the course of their contract. I think it's going to be that crazy. And I think Pete and I have to admit to you right now that as much as we love Steve Cohen and as much as Steve is committed to spending, 
I find it, tell me if I'm wrong, very difficult to believe he would invest in both Juan Soto and Shohei Otani. And that's why I make it in either or, because as much as he spends, is he really going to spend a billion dollars in the next two years on those two players? No, but I want him to say yes. I would love for him. I would love for him just to take out his his sack of cash and say, you know what, bring everybody. Well, I look, don't care. The, the easiest answer to the question is just sign both. But I just don't think it's that realistic. And I will leave you with this before we discuss this next week. I've thought long and hard about this answer. Who would I take? Shohei Otani, who, if the Mets signed this offseason, would be going into his age 29 season, not being able to pitch, but being able to hit. Or would I want to wait for Juan Soto, who I would not have this year, and I'd sign him next year going into his age 26 season? So there's a four-year age difference, but I do get the year of Otani now, even if it includes him not pitching. I will tell you that I made my decision. And it ain't that difficult. And I don't even think it's that close. My answer is Shohei Otani. And on the very next Rico Bronya, I'll explain why. And you can argue with me. Or say, boy, that makes a lot of sense. So that's coming up soon. The Rico B at gmail.com. If you want to email with thoughts, Juan Soto in 2025, Shohei Otani in 2024. Who do you want? We appreciate you listening and downloading. You can check out Pete on the Midday Show with Sal and Brandon, me and Tiki during the week at 2. Thank you for listening to Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 